0: Well, as you guys have your Bibles or devices, I'll invite you to turn to Exodus 25. If you've been attending here at South Charlotte Prez, we've been going through the book of Exodus and we have engaged Israel and watched them as they have gone through slavery, been delivered out of slavery, watching God save them, watching God provide for them, watching God give them his law and call them to follow in his ways. And we've even even seen him seal the covenant with his people at a giant wedding with his people, as we talked about last week. And now he is telling them in this passage, we're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 9 of Exodus 25 to worship him by gathering goods for his tabernacle. And so let's listen in and follow along with me. Exodus 25, verses 1 through 9. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me, and this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, Tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breast piece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: One thing you should know about me is that I can have a bit of a temper. might not show sometimes, but I do. I do. I have somewhat of a temper. At least I'm well-known in my family for that. Um, and one of the th- ways in which this showed up is I would be sitting in my room, and my dad had this thing when he would come in, and I could tell immediately that he wanted to ask me for a favor. Um... Now, I would usually, as my dad described it, I would answer him and greet him with what he thought it sounded like, a growl. Uh, In my head, it didn't sound like that, but I kind of knew what he was going to do. And you should know that usually his favors uh, involved me driving. And I was raised in Santiago de Chile, which is the capital, and it's a huge city, about six million people. So... As you would expect with big cities, traffic is a thing. And I know, I know that Charlotte traffic can be annoying. It can be unpredictable, frustrating. But when you spend half an hour waiting on the same traffic light on a standstill, that gets really frustrating. And, he, and I should say that he also had a thing for asking these favors right about in rush hour time. So usually how this, the result of this was me eventually conceding to do him his favor, but I would make to him well known my displeasure on it. Uh, and he would usually, and many times he would say, oh, you know what? Don't, don't bother. If you're going to do it like that, I'd rather you don't do it. I have to say, looking back, look at the situation. I'm there standing before my father, a man who has loved me, who, who raised me, a man who gave me a roof, fed me, put me through school. And yet I answered to him in a very ungrateful way. And even though I was succeeding to do what he asked me to, he was looking for something more. He was looking for a better response generosity is not something that always comes easy it is difficult to be generous when we're asked to do something we don't like or give up something we really don't want to but how do we respond to God when he calls us to be generous will we growl at him or will our hearts turn to generosity in response to the great and generous God that he is In chapter 24, which during our last sermon, we saw how God confirmed Israel to be his covenant people. And by the end of chapter 24, God called Moses to go up the mountain once again and to be in God's presence. He spent there 40 days, but on the seventh day, God started uh, talking to Moses. And this is where we are now. And in these first two verses, we see that God is not giving Moses a mandate. God is asking his people to give from their hearts to his works, hearts that out of gratitude are given cheerfully. So how does does a generous heart look like? Let's read verses 1 and 2 again. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him you shall receive the contribution for me now god here is asking the people of israel to build for him a place and what you would expect here is that god will say okay i need this is my list of materials of the stuff that i need but what is interesting is that god is not giving a mandate as we said before because god wants a generous response. God is not only interested in the material the Israelites can give them, but more than that, God is interested in seeing a loving response from His people, the people that He made His own. Can you think of a moment in which you were given something grudgingly or because they are forced? How does that feel? It doesn't feel too good, right? Can you think of another moment in which a person gave you something freely as a response of love? It is very different. And I can understand where my dad was coming from. And God is pleased in the same way when his people people obediently give with generosity. But on the contrary, he is not pleased regardless of how much you're giving. That is not the point. He's not pleased when our offerings are not giving from a generous heart. It is, and I, I can take this as an example. Imagine we're singing to God. We sing beautiful songs and worship to God every Sunday. But imagine we're singing to God, but we don't really mean it in our hearts. We're just babbling out the words. Or if someone tells you they love you, but their hearts are not in it. These are all just empty words. Likewise, when we we do not give with a generous heart, that is an, an empty giving. You can be doing something that is outwardly generous. You can have an external image of generosity. And God might use that. God will use anything. But it is not a pleasing worship to him. And that is what our offerings are. A worship to God. That is why before COVID, during our worship services, if you remember, we used to pass these plates where we give our offerings. But even now, even now we still give a space for off to remember about the offerings. This is because it is a worship to God. And in the same way as we do all of the rest that we do during our worship service, we are to do it with all our hearts. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9 Uh, Chapter 9, verse 7, each one of us must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A generous heart is one that loves and finds joy in giving, because he or she knows that it's been given for the praise and honor of God. And it is important, important to highlight a generous heart because there are ways in which we can give, as we have said, that are not really generous. I already gave one example, which is to give with a bad attitude. Uh, I exemplified that. But there are also ways in which we can give that are not really generous. I want to give you an example that Jesus himself gave in Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 to 3. So when you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their full reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your, hand, your left hand know what your ha- right hand is doing. Giving for public praise is something that we can really fall into, and it's not really generous, is it? Because we're just serving ourselves. Uh, there's a so there's a, a thing we do in Chile every year that's called Atelethon. I, I, I'm pretty sure they do it, they or at least used to do it here as well. But for you, those of you who don't know, a telethon is an a, a televised event in which artists come and sing, and there's also comedians. And the point of it is to raise money to, for charity. So in Chile, the telethon is always—it's usually yearly, and it's always for a foundation that takes care and treats children who, are, uh, who have disabilities. Uh, and during the event, uh, there's a lot of encouragement for, for people to give. It's a great thing, but you'll see sometimes uh, you'll have these big companies come in with these big checks, with their brand all over the place, with millions of pesos uh, to, to highlight how, for how much they're giving. Now, I'm grateful that they're giving and that it's being used for the children. But there is, and I, I don't want to say either that there's no generosity behind that, but there is a sense too in which you're doing it, they're doing it to highlight themselves. And that is why Jesus tells us to do it in secret, to guard us from that. But there's also a third way in which we can give that is not from a generous heart. And that is not publicly, but we can be prideful in ourselves and be so righteous of what we're doing. And I realize here that I'm not giving you too many options. Uh, it seems that whatever you do, you kind of fall into a trap. But <laughs> that's in part how a heart works because of sin, but... There is a healthy way in which we can give and be proud on what we have done. But that pride lies not within the effort of what we have done. But it is through acknowledging that what our giving comes from God. That our giving was motivated by the work he has done in our hearts. By acknowledging the transformation that happens to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we can enjoy this and we can feel good about this. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you find that you do not have a generous heart, well, lift it up to God in prayer so that he will shape you to have one. The beautiful the beautiful aspect of giving, and we will see this in a while, is that all that God requires us to give to him, he has provided it for us first, even a heart. And this is clear for the Israelites as we take a look at verses 3 to 7, which I will read, and this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twinned linen, goat's hair, tan rams, skins, goat's skin, acacia wood, all for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and the breastpiece. When we look at this list, gold, silver, twin linen, fine, twin linen, let's talk about the Ferraris and the Rolex of the Asian world here. The first thing that comes to my mind, this is a people that were in slavery for hundreds of years and are now wandering the desert. How are they supposed to come up with this stuff? How are they supposed to gather this? But we know where it's coming from. In, in Exodus 11, God says, uh, says this, and this is when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. A lot of what it's been asked for from them, God provided to them. What is plainly clear for the Israelites here is that, is that everything is provided by God. So when they present their offerings, they are recognizing that what God is asking for, it is his to begin with. And this also applies to us. We understand that all we have, we have is given to us by the grace of God. You might be thinking, well, I, I have worked, hard, worked really hard for everything I have. And the Israelites might have thought the same thing. Well, we found favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. We went and asked, but that would be disingenuous, wouldn't it? it? And turning to our own self-righteousness is something we're always tempted to do. But it's crystal clear that it's God who gave them favor. And we live in a culture that puts a lot of value in private property, personal responsibility, and hard work to get what you want. And don't get me wrong. Like, the Bible is good with all of this stuff. Personal, like, personal responsibility, hard work, even private property. There's a place for that. But we have to acknowledge always that even though you're putting in the work, ultimately everything comes from him. And so we are to give to God our best. We are to give God A generous offering. Because it all belongs to him. If you have been given more, then there is more than has been entrusted to you by God to use for his work. Just remember what God gave, gave them. He's not asking for, he's asking for the best. He's asking for luxury materials of the time. And if you have been given less, this does not mean either that what you're giving is less valuable. Because your offering is a worship to God, which springs from a grateful heart. And God is asking you to be faithful with both the little and the much that you have. Now, how much we should give? It's kind of a question. There is a type of giving that is told to us in scripture, which is mandatory. We call it tithing. Tithing was the giving of the 10% of what you gained in a year to sustain the priests, which uh, were the only ones who did not have land in Israel. Now, you may say 10%. That sounds like a lot. But this was actually the minimum that God required of his people. And we know from Malachi chapter 3 that God called on those who did not pay this, this tithe as if they were robbing from him. I know these are strong words, robbing God. But if we acknowledge that everything comes from God, and ultimately everything really is, that is precisely what they were doing. And that 10% is a baseline, because while we're called to tithe, in actuality, we are called to do more than that. Now, you may ask yourselves, why does God need us to give? isn't this something God can do by himself? Couldn't God just speak, and in this case, the sanctuary uh, to build itself? Like, this is the God who won't open up the seas. Like, can he do this? Well, yes, God does not need his people to help him. Um, so yes, God can and has done much greater than this, but as he often does, He decides to work through his people and through his church. This is what he has done through Moses and what he's doing through Israel. And I know that I'm talking here with a generous congregation, so we can use an example here. Take this new building as an example. It is through your faithful giving during times of COVID that God has provided us with a beautiful place to worship. It is through your faithful giving that we're, we have been able to support other ministries and church plans. It is also through your giving that we can have people who dedicate themselves fully to the ministering of God's word. And it is this love for God's work that is to move the Israelites to be generous. So when we are generous with our giving, we are providing more means in which God can work with. Now, God does not need them but God takes pleasure in that. Think about it this way, if a father who has a family company, he wants he wants his child to be involved as well in it. He could probably just keep it running by himself. But there's a special connection and a special relationship that is strengthened by them working together. And we have been talking a lot about money, but we're not only to give money. God has equipped all of us with spiritual gifts. And through generous offerings of your gifts and your time, is that we're able to keep up stuff like, I am really grateful for this nursery, life groups, mercy ministry, and so forth. And there's even more. It's not just the formal ministries. Through your gifts, we're able to build a community, to love one another, to take care of one another, and build the church of God in that way. and not only to the church we are called to be generous to everyone generous giving includes to includes people who are in need family neighbors the people within your communities why because we're projecting what god has done for us but to be generous givers we have to be intentional givers as well what does it mean to be intentional in your giving Are we denying ourselves, skimming in things so that we may set apart to give to others in both our time and our resources? Do you see yourself as an owner or as a steward of what God has given you? Someone who will one day respond to him. Are you actively on the lookout for those that may need help? Now, maybe some of you are thinking, well, here it comes these Christians are always after our money, and this is how they always get you. Uh, It's funny, in Chile, we also, we have yearly, also, we have uh, an evangelistic event in which various denominations of churches participate on, and how it usually goes in the afternoon, we would go into public places and speak with people, but in the mornings, because people were usually in a hurry, uh, we would just give drugs to them, we would, Usually, with permission, go into where there's a traffic light, and go into the cars and give them a track that has a gospel message. And what we would often uh, get as a response is this, which I find is universal for all. Well, I didn't have any money to give you. And another thing that's funny, we had a big yellow, a big yellow uh, jumper sweater, which said, uh, "I am a follower of Jesus." So how sad is it that when we came towards them and they saw that message, they were thinking, oh, well, uh, they're here to collect for something. This is sadly how people see the church. But there is one thing we must never lose sight of, which is the generous God that is making this request. If you're thinking of this, do not forget the generous God. Because so far in our series through Exodus, we have spent the last 24 chapters seeing all that God has done for his people. It's been God giving and giving and giving, put them out of slavery, he opened the sea so they can walk through dry land, he guided them through the day with a a pillar of cloud, through the night with a pillar of fire, fed them bread from the sky, He even made water flow from from rocks. That is how generous God has been with his people. Gave him their law, making them his own covenant people. And if we lose track of this, yes, we can arrive to that conclusion. But when you realize it, this is one of the first times that God is actually asking his people to give Back. One of the ways in in Chile we we say thanks is with wine. We are a wine country. So if you ever receive a wine from me, you know that that is a sign of gratitude. When I first came to uh, Charlotte, that was in 2018, I came to visit RTS, which is the seminary I I assist and I study. And I was lodged uh, by by a student and his family, and also, there was one person from admissions in RTS who pretty much dedicated to schedule my long wing vis- my week visit, which is usually a day. Uh, but so they took extra effort. So a way to show their appre- my appreciation to them is I brought them a bottle of wine. Why? Because I was grateful for what they were doing. Have you ever been shown generosity by someone that makes you want to respond in gratitude? Now, in this case. A bottle of wine was not going to equal the generosity which I was given. Neither this offering from the Israelites is going to equal what this generous God has given them. I mean, it is impossible. How are you going to pay back? But also, this is not the spirit behind God's request. It is a giving back, but it's not a compensation. God is looking to draw the Israelites closer to him. He's looking to bring them to worship him with what he has given them and put them at the service of his glory. This is part of the loving relationship that goes back back and forth between a generous God and his people. And let's look at verses 8 to 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, you shall make it. Even here, even when God is giving instructions to his people, God is not ceasing in his giving. Because he wants to give the Israelites something that is even greater to all that they have received. The purpose that God has with the sanctuary is that God's presence might dwell in there. And God's people then can have a relationship with him. Before sin entered the world, in the Garden of Eden, God dwelled among Adam and Eve. And God's presence was almost tangible for them. it, It speaks in Genesis that God walked through the garden. But because God is holy and sin cannot be before him, when Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, they were cut off from God's presence. But God's intention has always been to dwell with his people. And not even sin can prevent him to do so. Moses here was before the presence of God in the mountain. But now God is coming from the mountain to his people. That is the point of building At sanctuary. God has given them much, but now they have the best part: God Himself. And we have talked about all that God has provided us and how thankful we ought to be for it. But what God is given to the Israelites is but a shadow of what He has given us in Christ. For in Jesus, just as God came down from the mountain to dwell with the Israelites, Christ came down from heaven to dwell among us and give himself for us. And in that way, he has breached the divide between God and us. And now it is not within a sanctuary or a temple that we can experience and relate to God's presence. Scripture says that it's within ourselves. Because now we are the sanctuary. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Just, just look how personal it has gotten. It was confined to a single place which only one person could go in. And now it's open for all of us. And so we are called to respond to a God that was so generous, generous that he gave himself for us the one god creator of the universe and who who in christ has given us all things so when you are giving do it joyfully and with gratitude remembering the the generous god that you have because his generosity came first this is where a generous heart comes from this is where generous giving comes from it is why the israelites are going to be moved to give And this is not just for church offerings, but also for everybody. Because we want to be the image of God to the world. So when you lay up your offerings, when you support those who are advancing God's work, when you help those who are in need, when you offer your gifts and your time for God to build his church, do it all from a generous heart who is responding sincerely And cheerfully to what God has done for you first. And be eager to be an image of God's generosity to others. As I look back on my response to my dad's request, I realize how much I lacked in showing gratitude and honoring him for all that he had done. My heart was not being generous towards the generous father that God gave me. And so I was not willing to give generously to him. May this not be a response to God's call. May we realize the loving and generous Father that we have. And instead, pray that our generous hearts respond accordingly to a generous God. Let us go before God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we stand here before you this morning, and the first thing we have to recognize is how much you have given us, how you have saved us from your wrath, and have brought us to you. As we had this week, Thanksgiving week, we pray that we look in ourselves. And look on what you have done and what we should be grateful for. Give us our generous heart to respond to it accordingly. To give to you, to your work, to our communities, joyfully and cheerfully. Because in Christ you have given us way more than we can ever give back. That we may see giving back to you not as a way to compensate, but as a way to worship you. And as we pray often to have a heart of worship in all that we do. We also pray that for, to have a heart of worship that is pleasing to you in what we give. In Christ we pray. Amen.